Welcome back to Hot Manners Cool Pants. This episode is Mommy Hendrix. Okay, this dessert is Hendrix and Hendrix. And me and Hendrix. Oh, Daddy, no for this. You don't have to shout, Hendrix. Yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that was my little brother speaking. Welcome back to Hot Marriage Cool Parents. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jamie Otis Hainer. And Douglas Otis Hainer. Yeah, I like the sounds of that. <laughs> There's no Otis in my name. Oh, there can be. Uh, first and foremost, we want to say thank you so much for, oh my goodness. The thank you. outpouring of love and support for my hubby. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of mixed reactions, I feel like. I would through say. Through the comments, but overwhelmingly positive, uh, supportive. So many of you out there have these stories. You don't realize how much of an epidemic it is and how much it has affected nearly everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like everybody um, either knows someone, has been through it themselves. Uh, I mean, it really is a crisis here in America, unfortunately, which I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but it's like, what is why, like, how did doctors just decide that this was a good idea? And like how doctors we go to when we're most vulnerable and when we need the most help. And then you only get this medication from doctors. So I don't know. I mean, of course, I guess there's, maybe there's a different way. I have never really like, like, I just, it just makes me wonder. Cause like for you, Doug, you it was got the, it from doctors. Right. Well, it was, um, it, it, it was the pharmaceutical companies producing these drugs where they hid a lot of the addiction part of it yeah. from their studies. Yeah, that's and not that's, cool. Yeah, so they, I mean, there was a, a huge lawsuit. Oh, there uh, was? Yeah, a huge lawsuit from these companies because they played down how addictive it is. And then here we are, and people are dying left and right. And it and took, yeah, I mean, it, it took so long to put more regulations around uh, and care around how many prescriptions these doctors were actually prescribing there was no set uh scheduling or formula or ways to go uh, ways to get off of it it was just pretty much just yeah just go ahead and and prescribe it for as long as you need it well and speaking of that two things um someone reached out so we've gotten so many emails and comments and dms and i'm so thankful that you feel safe and enough to share your story with us now because at least you'll know that like and i gotta say that you know i feel like i have grown i guess because you know (laughs) probably even five years ago if you would have told me all of this i mean i already loved you then so if you would have told me this when we first got married i would have been like i'm out I just don't want to deal with that kind of heartbreak if, you know, it was just, it was, I had all this stuff going on with my mom and still have all of this stuff going on with my mom. But now that I've been married to you, which comes to the thing. So there was two things. Um, someone was sharing about, they did not know about sublocate. And so she's been on Suboxone forever and she's trying, she wants to get off it so that she can get pregnant and have a baby and have a family, but she doesn't feel safe to get off Suboxone. And that's exactly been your story forever. You felt like that was the only way that you could stay sober and clean from actually popping pills is to stay on the Suboxone. Well, it, and it wasn't just that it was Knowing that when you come off of Suboxone, you're going to have to go through some form of withdrawal. Yeah. And it, it could be two weeks. It can come back after a month. But you know that you're going to be going through that. And, and for me, working full-time, family full-time, as busy as we are, 
I just never saw an opening for that. Yeah. So what I'm saying though, is that she now feels like there's light. Like we didn't know, no one knows about Sublocade. So there's this medication that Doug is taking. If you go back a few episodes, if you're really interested in this, he talks a lot more about it. Um, but it's Sublocade. It's a shot in his belly and he, not to speak for you, but he has had zero, like, I mean, a little tiny bit of side effects. Um, yeah. So, and, and well, what, 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 what have your side effects been so far? So, you know, I had been on Suboxone for close to 10 years. So and well, yeah, close to 10 years, more than more 10 than years. 10, actually, yeah, way more than 10 years. Yeah. Cause we've been married for almost 10 years and you were <laughs> I on keep it. Thinking, yeah, I keep uh, <laughs> thinking that it was just our, our marriage, but, um, and it's something that you have to take every day, uh, whether it was, uh, you know, sublingually, uh, a pill that you would let dissolve under your tongue or a film, but you have to take that every single day to prevent the withdrawals, but also to create your like kind of a, a normal uh, a normalcy in your life. You can you can be functional. You can uh, you can drive. You can work. It, it makes you normal, but it also blocks the receptors uh, for um, where you have that euphoria from opioids. Where if you take Suboxone. You can't get high off of opiates because it blocks those receptors. But you can die if but, you try. At least I've read well, that. Well, yeah. So if you take opiates and then you take Suboxone too soon after, then it just completely wipes out those receptors. And that's when you go through immediate withdrawal. You can have a seizure and yes, you can you can die. Um, but the Sublocade is a injection shot into your stomach and it slow releases the medication throughout the month. So it's one shot every 29 days. Some people have three shots, four shots I heard was kind of like the magical point. And after the fourth shot, you kind of just let it slowly fade away and dissipate. And there's a high chance that you won't have any withdrawals, which is obviously so appealing and it does seem like a miracle in the beginning I was a little bit skeptical like how could you go from something that's been sort of keeping you stable for so long to not taking it and trusting a shot in the stomach to slow release enough to where you would need and not have to go through withdrawal in the beginning I, I did go through uh, there was some you know like just hot sweats hot flashes um, a lot of anxiety, just uncomfortable, but it was very, very minimal. And now that I'm on my third shot, uh, I haven't felt any symptoms whatsoever. I haven't felt anything to where it would be any cause for concern. Um, and it really is great. It really, really feels great because it gives you that peace of mind that it's actually working and it's not just something that you're reading. Um, even though, I mean, do your own research, obviously. And uh, look at the reviews, look at the contraindications, but it's essentially the same uh, Suboxone medication. It's just slow released in your system. I did not know that. Yeah, that helps it sort of just kind of your body to just let it go. And then, so I'm expecting coming up for my fourth shot, my fourth and last shot. Uh, and then I'm, I'm hoping to be done. Oh my goodness. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. It's going to be a, an amazing, amazing day. So it's you're going to be free and <laughs> freedom, but it, um, it's really exciting because I, 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 I was, when I came to Florida, it's tough to get the medication down here because you have to find a Florida doctor. Um, you know, when I was spoiled in New Jersey, uh, because I would always see my primary care doctor. Now here's the other thing about it, because when you're on Suboxone, doctors know that you have to come back every single month for a prescription. Yeah. 
the idea of sublocate, and I think maybe why it's not so which is quite known, sad. is because you can go two, three, four shots, and you're done. A lot of these addiction specialists and a lot of doctors that prescribe th- those types of medications, they it's a special certification. Um, they have their one license for primary care, but then they have to get a separate license if they want to carry 50, 75, 100 patients. And you're limited to the number of patients that you can prescribe Suboxone with. Most of the doctors and addiction specialists, they'll charge you anywhere from one to $300 a month just for the visit. See, that's the thing. This is where it gets sad is that doctors are just handing out Suboxone for years and years and years. And they're not making as much money, I guess, like as like opioids, but they're still making that $100 to $300 every single month guaranteed for that patient. You have to go into their office. That, I hope it's not crooked because it sounds a little crooked to me. Well, I mean, and if you know any addict... And so they don't, so no one talks no, about sublocate right. because you only need four months or so of it. And then you don't get that medic that right. money anymore. But, that sounds crooked to me. Yeah. And I don't know any wealthy drug addicts. I don't yeah, know no. any wealthy <laughs> drug addicts. Yeah, no. So a lot of these, uh, facilities, if you're not going into like a, uh, inpatient center, uh, or outpatient center, a lot of them, these doctors will charge a hundred bucks a month or more a month for this. And you're pretty much saying you're, you're a drug addict and you're trying to get clean. So we're going to charge you all of this. The medication most of the time is covered under insurance, but the doctor visit costs more than just a regular primary care visit. At least that's in my experience. So this is the thing is that the medication is effing expensive too. Suboxone was Very so expensive. expensive. Yes. I mean, we were paying $500 a month and that was with insurance for his Suboxone. Yeah, that was through my company. And that was with insurance. And then on top of that, you got to pay for the 100 to $300 doctor visit. That's like right there. Yeah. I mean, who can afford that? So then what do you do? You go and you take that $800 and you go get whatever you can, or you're less than $800 and you get yourself high. It's sad. Well, um, it's, it, it makes it difficult for, for someone to come off of it. And the sublocate shot for doctors to want to do that, they really should want to help the patient exactly out. instead of just wanting this hundred to three hundred dollar paycheck because you know, that month. takes out a lot of cash coming in month after month after month and yeah. so i think that there's got to be a better system in place more education i think you know doctors should be able to all prescribe these things and well i think the biggest thing truly and why i'm so proud of you is because we didn't even know sublocate existed. No. We didn't know there was a solution beyond Suboxone. I said, Doug, I'll never pressure you to get off the Suboxone because I know really that that was like your like life-saving thing, but it, it would cost us so much money and so much stress trying to, you, not every pharmacy carries it. So we were like searching all over, trying to find a pharmacy that has it. Even in your own town, sometimes they run out because they don't like, they don't keep it stocked for whatever reason, probably because it's such an expensive medication. And so needless to say, I am so proud of you because now people are, are messaging us saying, oh my gosh, there's a solution beyond Suboxone. And it's like, we got to shout this far and wide that yes, there's something called Sublocade. You got to find a doctor mm-hmm. who's 
you know, not Who just going to try prescribe it. I mean, they, yeah. Yeah, they, they have to get a certain, um, I think it might be a certification, but, um, in, but I, I really want to talk about, um, how amazing Jamie you have been Aww. really, because, you know, on one hand, trying to admit something like an addiction to your partner, and this is kind of going off of a lot of the, uh, the comments that were being made. It's hard for any addict to come out and admit it. Not just that, you know, there is a stigma behind there, but the road to recovery can sometimes be just as stressful. And it's like you said, if I would have told you this in the first week, and yes, it's, it's different because we were strangers getting married together. Yeah. So it'd be different strange. if I came out and told you this because that sounds like a ton of baggage. And then the road to recovery with the medication, whether you have to go in treatment or, or whatnot, it's, it would cost a lot of money and take a lot of time. And, you know, there's no guarantee on success. So for someone to... Are you saying like if you went to a rehab? I'm just saying in general. Oh. So, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty when you say like, you know, I want to come off drugs. I want help. I want this. And, you know, you go into the treatment programs, you find, you know, whatever medication that you would need. And then it's an ongoing meetings or whatever your process is. But knowing that some people don't want to deal with that. Some people see it as like a lot of baggage. And I think some comments that I saw through uh, Instagram and, and Facebook was, I was really scared to tell my partner or I was dreading telling my partner about, you know, I, I think it was one that I saw on Instagram where um, the woman's husband was a firefighter who deals with a lot of that, like a lot of medical personnel, firefighters, they bring Narcan because of how many overdoses there are. But she was fully hooked on painkillers, uh, OD'd, and she would lay next to her husband and just be scared to tell him because of, uh, you know, what, what he may think, whether or not he was on her side or would support her through this. And it's a lot. It's a lot for families to deal with. It's a lot for partners to deal with. And it's just so, it's so common now. But the stigma around it uh, and the reaction from people almost doesn't, it, it, it makes it harder for someone to come out yeah. and say it. But you could have easily just said, I don't want to deal with this. And you could have easily said, like, this is, the, this is something that uh, I have past experience with and it, it's, it's bad. And, you know, I wouldn't, I couldn't blame you for that if you did it, you know, but that, you know, and that would be on me. Um, I never wanted to hide it. I just never wanted to talk about it again. You know, like the, mm -hmm. um, it wasn't like something that was like eating away at me. Like I wanted to get this story out, eating away. I, I was, it was just the shame and disappointment I caused from this moment where I almost OD'd and died. I wanted to just block it out. I never wanted to bring it up again. But then you never heal. You never, ever heal. And... It wasn't that I didn't trust you. It wasn't that I didn't feel safe around you. I mean, you've proven time and time again that, uh, you know, you obviously feel, feel safe around me, and I've always felt safe around you. It was just something that I never 
wanted to talk about. And it never came up in my head until we read and started talking about this. And, and I read that comment where it was like, this was something that happened. And then, you know, the, the immediate weight gets lifted off that I, I didn't even know I had this weight. That's exactly on my shoulders. I didn't even know it. And now that it's out there, it's almost like you don't have to hide anymore. Yeah. Real quick, I just want to give a pause and mention my wife's book, Wifey 101, Everything I Got Wrong After Finding Mr. Right. And when you talk about real, raw honesty, Jamie goes into her whole inspirational story from a trailer park kid being around violence, being around drug use, being in a trailer park type community and making it out, breaking a cycle. Uh, She also dedicated a chapter to me and my addiction issues, really gives a phenomenal background into us, especially into Jamie. And if you're looking for some inspiration, if you're looking for some motivation, there is no better place than to get Jamie's book, Wifey 101, Everything I Got Wrong After Finding Mr. Right, which is available on Amazon um, uh, right now. Um, definitely check it out. It, I mean, if, if you like real, if you like raw, if you like honesty, there is nothing more real and raw than Jamie's book. So anyway, back to it. It's just, it was, uh, I just really want to say thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I love you. I love you. And I'm glad you don't have to hide. And I always knew you were hiding something like, and I don't even want to go back there in our relationship, but like you've done some weird things in our past that I'm like, are you cheating on me? Like, what are you doing? I don't know what you were doing. We're going to move forward. But like, you've done some weird things and I'm like, he's hiding something. I don't know what the heck is going on. And I'm just going to not even go there. But um, speaking of that five star review, she DM'd me on Instagram and said, Jagles bagels. She says, I'm Jagles, Jagles bagels. <laughs> and, you know, and she just shared a little bit more with me about like just how your story touched her. And, and then I realized that she lives like literally a half an hour away from us. That's nuts. And I said, I owe you lunch girl. Like, <laughs> so first of all, thank you for your five-star review. Thank you for bringing my husband and I like prompting that to bring my husband and I closer. I genuinely feel like we're closer now that I you shared that with me. And I'm like, I owe you lunch. We're going to get together and have lunch because, and I'm going to pay for it because I could, that's the least I could do for your five-star review (laughs) and just prompting all of that. And so anyways, um, she's emailed me and we're going to plan that, which is, I mean, you know, you never know. And that's the thing about when you let your skeletons out of your, their closet and you just let yourself be you and be free exactly who you are. I mean, we all have mistakes in our past and we all have, things that we're ashamed of, but if you can just let it out and know that not everyone's going to stand by your side, that's for sure. Like you're going to have to know that some people are going to drop you, but those aren't your people and that's okay. Let them drop you. At least you're free from your own baggage and you can be yourself and your chains are free. And then you randomly meet someone else who gets you and you connect and that relationship is so much stronger than the one that you're trying to force with whoever wanted to drop you because they didn't approve of whatever it is that you did. So I feel like I've learned that myself like throughout life and I'm so happy that like you're discovering that now too. And I do think though that timing does matter. Like, I mean. For sure. I, I, we weren't in love when we first got married and so I would have never 
given it a chance. I really wouldn't have. Um, and I, that's, that to me was, um, you know, I talking about this, I, I, I knew it would be, I knew it, it would be something that would be relatable. And I, w- I hope that it helped people. Um, not just people, well, I, I mean, mostly I was talking about people that are addicted to opiates or addicted to any drugs that, you know, it was, it was a blip in my life. It was tragic and horrible, and um, it's something that I'll have to live with, but... But what it's I, not who you are now. Right, and, and so it, I think there needs to be more stories out there about how there is life after... Yeah. And you can have a, a regular life after. And you don't have to hide. I mean, you really don't have to hide. The people, if you can share your truth with zero shame and zero guilt, some people will, they're going to judge, of course, but that's okay. Like, let them judge. And the people who are judging hardcore and mean and nasty, they're not your people. Let them go. What they're I, probably miserable themselves. Yeah. But um, one thing that I didn't, I didn't expect. And which um, was which made me really feel good inside um, because addicts need support, no matter how hard it is for the people around them to hear, they need support. And uh, some of the messages that I've seen are people that say their kid or their brother, their sister are addicts, and they were you know about to give up on them because it's so hard. I mean, the, the amount of lying and stealing and just the, you know, it gets to a point where it's just overwhelming and people give up on people rightfully so wrongfully so. But I think part of what made me feel great was because I had people around me that loved me and that got me through what I was going through and gave me purpose gave me purpose to want to stay clean, gave me purpose to want to live. And, you know, it helped some people realize that they may not, that they shouldn't give up on their loved ones. If they truly love them, not giving up on somebody and just being there for them is sometimes the the best support that you could possibly give. You know, keep them at an arm's distance if it's something where you don't feel safe around them or, you know, if it's someone that you don't want to run your kids, yes. But, you know, just giving them an extra, uh, giving them a chance and allowing, or, or at least knowing that there is a life and you can be a good person after addiction gave them hope to stick around with the people that they know that are addicts. Yeah, I mean, not for nothing with my own mother. I, I was already getting there. And maybe that's why you did feel comfortable because... You know, I'm at the point with my mother that I'm like, she's an addict. It's, that's just that. And I'm going to love her regardless. We're not going to be able to be like, you know, have the mother-daughter relationship that I have always wanted. But um, that's just, you know, and she's not going to be able to be in my kid's life as much as I want. But I'm just going to love her anyways. And I've only recently, like recently I thought she died from an overdose. And 
none of us could get a hold of her and my heart broke and I was like, Oh my gosh, Doug, I think this is really it. And, um, you made plans to go up there to look yeah, for I her. bought flights for our whole family. We're going to drop off the kids at my, at my in-laws and then we were going to drive up to New York to go to try to find my mom. Cause we really thought she was dead or like in her apartment dead alone. Like the doors were locked. And, um, and so after that, I was like, listen, like we know, it is what it is. Like, let's just love her while she's alive. And obviously that doesn't mean that she's going to be, you know, coming over all the time, but just love her as best as we can. I'm not going to enable her or give her money or support her habit. That's definitely not happening, but she deserves love and she deserves conversation. And so we just had like this chat where I where we like sat down with our mom and said, listen, if you can just be honest and tell us where you are. So we know you're alive. We don't care if you're doing drugs, just do what you got to do. We don't care, but can you just stay in touch with us? And that's kind of how we've learned to love and support. But I really am not a big fan of giving them money or, you know, they'll just take and take and take. I've experienced that with, with my mom, you know? And so that's just something, but, um, in any case, the, the you sharing everything that you're sharing has been even helpful for me to be like, you know, from with my mom to just to, I mean, you are, I know, I love you. I know you're a great person and you like went through that awful addiction that I didn't, you, you always just kind of downplayed it. You never really talked about, like, I just thought it was like you pop pills occasionally. Like I didn't realize that you nearly died. Like, I, I don't know. And then you said, Oh yeah. And I nearly died. But like, you just downplayed it so much. I had no idea until we started podcasting. Yeah. That you I have a hard you- time admitting extremes, whether it's, you know, something that was extremely bad or extremely good. I have a tough time ad- admitting that where uh, I've always lived my life where everything was okay. And I think my, you know, my temperament kind of reflects that. I don't get overly worried. Uh, I don't get overly panicked. But I also, it's hard for me to admit faults, admit uh, it's hard for me to talk about hard conversations or or admit that I'm ashamed, admit that, you know, I feel guilty. Um, That's hard for me. And Well, the first step is admitting it. Yeah. And that's not, and you're not alone. I think that's hard for a lot of people. And I don't know why, but that's. Or be emotional. Like it's really hard for me to admit, admit emotions and, and talk about those things. And, um, you know, when, when you don't, when you don't regularly, you know, leave it all out there, you know, one, people are going to be able to know you, uh, fully, but also people, (laughs) you're not gonna, you're not going to get close to other people. People aren't going to feel safe to share everything about themselves around you. That's exactly it. Like if you're feeling isolated and alone in this world, well, the first thing you can do is start to take your walls down by sharing your flaws because we all have them or your baggage or your, um, you know, anything really just share anything because that's what brings us closer together. And so people, well, talking about comments, some people also said, I can't believe you aired this for all the world to hear. Like what? No way. And it's like, that is the problem though. Like to think that that's a, it's a bad thing to share about this. That is the problem. That's what keeps the stigma going. That's what keeps the cycle of addiction and depression and insecurity going is that it's bad to share this thing. 
it's, this is not dirty laundry. This is real life. We are real people struggling with these things. And your family members are real people struggling with it. And if it's dirty laundry, and if it is considered bad to share your struggle, well, that's the issue right there. It's not bad. It's actually very important. And the only way we're all going to heal, we're going to learn, we're going to grow is if we share it. Think about the mental, mental health aspect of that though. If you're constantly living in fear of, uh, rejection, living in fear of sharing. You only have yourself to talk to and think about. And, you know, you see it with people that have, you know, really bad anxiety. It's like they have conversations with themselves and it always turns, you know, tragic or bad. And imagine going through that cycle and not being able to have an outlet to vent or share or get it out. It's and like, this isn't you know, just drug addiction. Yeah, this it, is anything all of mental it. Mental health. It's it's like, you know, you, you have a, a, a covered pot that's with boiling water that's just steaming and steaming. You know, eventually that's gonna crack. And if if you don't feel safe sharing it, you're gonna have to go through that yourself. And all alone. And then that's what takes that cycle of depression and anxiety and it just brews. And mm-hmm. that's why that is con- also an epidemic in America. Everyone's on depression medication, anxiety medication, because it's bad to share our flaws. It's it's like a taboo topic to talk about something where you've struggled when it comes to like, I mean, lots of different things, miscarriages. These are like my own personal thing is like pregnancy issues, trying to conceive miscarriage, secondary infertility, announcing a pregnancy earlier than however normal weeks. Drug addiction is obviously something that we didn't really talk about. And even still people, you know, are just, they, they, they're like, Oh, why do you talk about this? Why do you share that? And it's like, because we're not alone. And it feels really lonely when you keep it all to yourself, thinking that you're hiding in shame because you're not going to be accepted on the other side. So we're going to talk about it. And if you don't like it, then that's okay. You're not our people, but the people who understand us or try to understand us, who are there cheering and supporting, you're our people. We're going to love on you. We're going to support you. We're going to be there for you as well, because that's what life is all about is finding family and community and loving on each other and trying, even if we don't understand it, trying to support anyways, because we're not all going to understand each other's issues. Yeah. And, you know, we, I think what kind of sprung on this whole conversation was uh, the comments that we saw and people reaching out to us in direct messages. And, you know, we love giving people a shout out who leave us a five-star review. And ever since we started the podcast back up, um, it's really refreshing. And I know we say this every time we we lead with the five-star reviews that we love you guys for taking the time to do it, but we really do because it, gives us, you know, it, it keeps us, it gives us momentum. It, it really does. It gives us, us purpose to continue to the podcast. Continue. I mean, if we don't hear from you that you're loving it, then I mean, the whole point is for us to connect with you. And, and so it's nice to know if you're loving it, if you're not loving it, we want to know more of what you want. Yeah. And there was a lot of comments and reviews that people were excited that we were back. So that makes us feel. Yeah. Happy. Thanks for being excited. We're back. We're excited to be back too. It's really, yeah. truly like a marriage therapy at times, as you know. <laughs> yes. And this five-star review comes from Lisa Truz, T-R-U-S-Z. How would you say that? Truz sounds great. Truz. Um, so refreshing. I have watched Jamie and Doug since math aired and I've been a huge fan ever since I just started listening to podcasts to get my head out of the game. 
I just started listening to podcasts to get my head out of this game called life. When I saw Jamie and Doug were back, I had to tune in. I admire you both for your raw honesty and opening up about addictions, marriage and fertility struggles, etc. You guys are the real deal and your openness and honesty is greatly appreciated, especially in the world of social media where everybody portrays the perfect life. Sending you positive vibes as far as treatment for Doug and your journey on expanding your family. I wish you both nothing but the best. Keep up the great work, Lisa. Oh, thanks, Lisa. That's, it's so, like, truly, it's just so reassuring to hear, but also to connect with you too. And speaking of trying to grow our family, we shared a YouTube video. So we're, we are vlogging our whole fertility experience. It's on Hanging with the Hainers on YouTube. And we're also having the behind the scenes of the podcast, Hot Marriage Cool Parents, that's coming, that comes out on the podcast or. From these sessions and our interviews with, uh, with guests, we're going to be putting those up a couple days after we, we published the episode. Yeah, we have been doing that actually. So if you ever want to see us having these conversations, it's super raw and uncut. It's not like we highly edit it truly. Like it's just like us sitting in our office with our, our makeshift background. Our decorated office. We have six, uh, six or eight different cubicle sections decorated yeah. just for the camera. Yeah, we're trying to make it look pretty. Um, when, but we, when we finally get this house put together, we are going to have a dedicated spot, I feel. Yeah, we are, we are, we are, our goal is to have one dedicated spot. If you followed us from the podcast, from the, from its creation to now, you know that we've podcast in our basement. We've podcast in the bed. Right after I gave birth to Hendrix and I was nursing him, we were podcasting. <laughs> in Henley's um, nursery or uh, like bedroom. Yeah, we've, we've podcast in the dining room. I mean, we've podcast all over. We've podcast in an RV. Yes, we did podcast a little bit in the RV. I think in our car too, because we just recorded it on our iPhone. Oh yes. We've (laughs) podcast everywhere is because one thing that we try to do is, um, if we promise that we're going to show up, we try to we try to keep our promises. Like we're going to show up for you. And so when we needed a break, we took a break and now we promise we're showing up We're showing up for you. And that, if that means like in our car or wherever we are. And I think that that's the best thing about our girlfriends, as I call those of you listening, um, just because like you really are more than a fan. I feel like you really are like a friend. You're like a girlfriend. And so, um, it's like friend and fan put together girlfriend. Um, yeah, some people have known us as, just as long as we've known each other. Yeah, that's actually They've very true. Followed our entire journey. <laughs> Some people have known us as yeah. long as we've known each other. Uh, we love you. But if you're new, we love you too. And you can join our girlfriend, boyfriend club. And, um, but yeah, moving back to this five star review, and she mentioned like the fertility struggles, we went and we've been vlogging all of that because that is a kind of a scary thing. So we are, you know, obviously we have our two beautiful rainbow babies, but um, growing our family is truly just never been easy for us. And that's okay. You know, um, it's, it is what it is. We're thankful for what we do have. And so now we have secondary infertility where we've been trying and we just haven't gotten pregnant. And I just want to address a couple things here because anytime that we talk about fertility, people assume that, which is so bizarre to me, like, why don't you just love the two kids that you have? Like it, it, it just it it's really it's really a bizarre comment because I don't think that Jamie and I are stressing it stressing about this as much as like to the point where we're not paying attention to our kids. Right, we can love the two kids. Well, this is the thing about that is that when I we just want to have another. 
Yeah, because we, we love our kids so freaking much. We want we want another one. Yeah, and we, we want, want another one and another one. Or no, just one more. But well, we'll you know, a couple more if yeah. if God has that plan for us. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is that after I had Henley, and then I had so before I had Henley, I don't know if you know our whole story, but I had our son Jonathan, and we lost Jonathan. So then I got pregnant with Henley, and that was great. And um, she's here, she's happy and healthy. And then I had two more losses trying for a sibling for Henley. And people were like, why don't you just at same thing, same thing. Like, why don't you just focus on your daughter? She's a baby. Like just stay with, and I'm like, I am so focused on her. I love her so much. (laughs) And yes, I do want to have another child. That does not diminish the love that I have for my daughter. (laughs) And so now they're saying the same thing with Henley and Hendrickson. I'm like, thank God. I mean, I just hold Hendrix. And I think about that. And I think about because I'm like, maybe I should like, I don't know, sometimes I, the comments do get to you. I'm only human, you know? And so I think about it and I'm like, am I doing a disservice? Should I just stop? I mean, I, I think about that. Like we could just stop, of course. And we could, uh, there's lots of different options out there, but my heart is telling me that there's like, that I'm supposed to be a parent to more children. I just feel that. And so if I had never listened to that with Hendrix he wouldn't even be here. So I just politely say, and I get why people say that. And they're like, stop stressing and da, da, da. And I, I get that, but we they don't to, have that heart. Like yeah. they don't have that feeling that I have on the inside. And but so, also you, you realize that not a lot of people talk about fertility because they wouldn't be saying that, you know, if, if fertility issues and things like this weren't something that was common. And, you know, like we always do, you know, trying to keep it real and honest and raw. There are so many people that have fertility issues, both men and women that are out there. And, you know, maybe this gives them some information or yeah. gives them an outlet to be like, oh, we didn't try that. Oh, maybe we should do this. Or, yeah. you know, maybe after, you know, after we have sex, maybe we just, maybe I keep my butt up in the air. Yeah, um, we've yeah. shared all sorts of different uh, solutions yeah. that we've tried in but the past. But there's progesterone, there's, you know, these fertility appointments. And if we don't share it, sometimes people won't know about these things yeah. for themselves. That's exactly it. So for us, when our journey, we're sharing it, we're vlogging it on our Hanging with the Hainers YouTube channel. We'd love for you to follow us there if you'd like to. Um, and we'll also share just like regular life as well. But for my most recent fertility appointment, I found out that I have a low normal AMH, which essentially means that my egg count is low normal. And obviously with a woman, you don't get to get more eggs ever. Like you're born with the amount of eggs you're ever going to have. And so you want to make sure they're healthy. And so based on the HSG, was it HSG or HCG? It's HSG. HSG. So it's a, yeah. So for whatever it was, but, um, that, that particular procedure or scan, showed that one of your fallopian tubes may be blocked or constricted. Well, so the low AMH, which is low normal, means, and what I took from the visit, was that each month when you ovulate, eggs are, eggs can come down from the right or the left side. With one side being constricted, there's no telling which side is going to be each month, but once the egg drops, there's, a, a, I guess, a less chance because it has to come from your right side. Right. So, well, since I understand this a little bit better, I'll try to explain this a little bit better. So essentially... Yeah, I was mansplaining, I think, right there. Yeah, that was, that was something right there. So <laughs> essentially, the low to normal AMH is, the doctor said, that's 
something to be aware of and maybe a little concerning, but not like overly concerning. It could be far worse. Um, and then because I have, so we had an, I had an HSG, which basically they in, inject dye into my uterus and into my fallopian tubes to see, because you need, when your eggs drop from your ovaries, they need to be able to go down the fallopian tube or a sperm needs to be able to get up into the fallopian tube to be able to, you know, um, fertilize the egg so that the egg egg doesn't have to drop the egg does drop the egg drops from but sperm can go up the fallopian tube yeah and that's why ectopic pregnancies happen which is a fertilized egg that implants within the fallopian tube and that's very dangerous because the fallopian tube would then burst and so that's not good so essentially what you want in women's reproductive is that the egg drops down and then the sperm fertilizes it and then it implants in the uterus and it stays in the uterus and for the full nine months as it develops into a baby and then you deliver it healthily. But for what's going on with me is I have a low to normal count of even of these eggs. One of the tubes is blocked according to this HSG. And so if, and interestingly enough, and I think you might find this interesting as well because I feel like everybody just thinks that you ovulate from one side and then you ovulate to the other. So like an egg drops from your right side and then it will drop from your left the next month. That's not true. Apparently they can drop many times in the same, from the same side. And um, there's no way to predict it and there's no way to exactly encourage it. And so because of all of this, including, I found out that I have factor five blood clot disorder, which I have which makes a whole lot of sense of why I lost Jonathan, why I lost those other two um, babies. It just makes a whole lot of sense why I got like a blood clot after I had Hendrix. I never really shared about that, but I got a blood clot after I uh, had Hendrix. I may have shared about it on the podcast, but I never like, I just was so busy with like postpartum that like, I was like, I don't even have time to talk about this. I'm just going to go to the doctor, get this taken care of. Turns out I have factor five, which this just all makes a whole lot of sense. But the doctor, the fertility doctor was saying, (coughs) excuse me, the fertility doctor was saying that he was like, yeah, you can try, your, you know, yourself doesn't really think that, you know, cause I also have 37. And so he put, put into my, into the, um, factor, my age and the fact that, you know, your eggs don't get any better, the older you get. And so he's like, you're 37, you have a low to normal AMH, you have factor five blood clot, your HSG showed that you have one blocked fallopian tube. He was like, you know, we could do Clomid, which like helps release some eggs, but we don't even know if it's going to come out on the right side. So that's not necessarily the best solution. And then he said, you know, you can continue to try for yourself, but you know, that hasn't worked out for you. And right. so, but it's still on the it's table. It's still possible. Conceiving saying. naturally is, even, is on the table. And even Clomid, even if I tried with the extra, like, you know, that's still possible as well, except he just thinks our best solution would be IVF. And he thinks that, you know, I think he was, he was pushing for IVF. It sound, it seemed like he may have been pushing for it, but I, yeah. not, and I didn't like that. And I kind of got like a, <laughs> maybe a little, I don't know, in my head, I was like, I think yeah. we can do this ourselves. Well, but we, we wouldn't have known about the, the factor five blood clot disorder. Uh, in, if he in hadn't. This, yeah. Because that's a specific test that you have to order. Um, and because we had some fertility issues and, and we were going to the specialist when after Jamie had, after you had, had your period, Henry. right? That he ordered a blood test. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To yeah. go. So he were, I mean, you you did like 20 different tests. I counted and, it and it was actually 18. Yeah, 18. 18 so different gave, tests, like yeah. vials of tubes that to test me for all sorts yeah. of different things. And essentially. Which was amazing because the blood clot disorder 
yes, it, it could have been a factor in previous pregnancies, but that's also something that can be uh, bad uh, moving oh, forward. Oh, yeah, exactly. So blood, and the blood you wouldn't clot. have known that unless we had the test. Done. Yeah, I had no idea. So that is really good to know. I should be on like a baby aspirin the rest of my life because I tend to, my blood just clots differently. And so you could develop an embolism, like a blood clot. And that, if it like dislodges itself, it could run through your bloodstream into your heart, your lungs, or your brain. And that's the result of a stroke if it happened in your brain, a pulmonary embolism if it happens in your lung, or a heart attack if it happens in your heart. So yeah, that was a really, really good information. And people who tend to have like heart attacks or strokes earlier in life. Not always, but this could be a contributing factor. And so anyways, I'm like, well, that's good to know. And I yeah. get, have yet to go buy myself baby aspirin, but I'll be doing that like ASAP. We have it. We, have we it do? Yet. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Here. I know that I was on it before. Yeah, and you, so you took it before. I know. And so I'm like, how did I not know? But I just, I knew I had like some sort of blood clot disorder. I think it's good for everybody to take no, I don't well, think not, so. Well, not people that have... But they say older people, it doesn't yeah. hurt them because... Yeah, just a baby aspirin. Yeah. But needless to say, our fertility appointment, we're at the point now where we're just... We have all this information and it's really... Like knowledge is power and that's amazing that we have been able to get all this information. And we're I had the, a second semen analysis and that came back okay. Yeah, stop bragging. Yeah, I mean, not, not to brag, but, you know, yeah. 57 million... <laughs> <laughs> whatever that means oh sperm count uh yeah I'm like when we were getting the results back with the doctor I just looked at Doug after he like goes over all my slew of issues and then Doug yeah he th- just grazed it he didn't even know that I did a second yeah he was like oh yeah analysis. you had a semen analysis and then he looks he, he goes and through some papers he goes oh you're good okay yeah and then just moves on and I'm like okay so <laughs> it's me hi I'm the problem it's me <laughs> no what, what I took from that was that there's challenges, but you still, we still have the ability to conceive naturally, like yeah. without any extreme, um, like IVF. Yeah. Without an, anything extreme that we would have to do in and order so to make it happen. This is what we're doing for our fertility journey. This is where we're at. I were, cause we're also renovating our house. We're still potty training Hendrix. I mean, he regressed when we moved. And so now he, you know, we're, we're still working on some things and, um, we did just find someone to rent our house that we, so we have this other house that was always supposed to be a house rental and we found someone to rent it. So we have a lot, you know, we have a lot of things going on. And one thing that I haven't been doing was taking my diet very seriously. And the one thing that I did to get both Henley and Hendrix was I took my diet very seriously. Like I really hardcore cut out caffeine, sugar, gluten, alcohol, um, for both, soy, for corn, both. For both kids. Yeah, for both of them. I did this. Pretty much right after. Yeah, and like within a month, I got pregnant. And it was Henley and then Hendrix. And so... You know, I, I kick myself because I'm like, why haven't I done this? Like, I, I, it's, it's like, it's like, it's kind of the same thing as if you ever go on a diet it's, and then like a week later you kick yourself because you're like, ah, oh, I was doing good. And if I just, lose, if I just stay, stay on the diet, I'll lose weight. You know, that whole thing. I hate dieting. And that's part of it too, is that now I embrace my, I don't diet lifestyle, my become body positive you're and on a nutritional plan. my mom bod thing. So now I've had to change it because like, clearly I've got some things wrong with my bod, you know, like the whole, you know, and so you can't just de- deny the facts and just keep living. I mean, it is what it is. Like, so I am going to cut out all of those things. Essentially the reason you cut out the caffeine, the alcohol, the dairy, the gluten, the sugar, the corn, the soy, uh, is because those are all things that cause inflammation in your body. And 
and you don't have to cut them out forever, but essentially you want to cut them out long enough to just let your body cleanse itself and like to just not be constantly like inflamed. And so I'm going to go back on that diet as I'm sipping on my, this is a decaf sugar-free oat milk coffee. Um, but that I'm drinking from Dunkin' Donuts in case you're not watching the video and you're on the podcast. I do have a decaf oat milk sugar-free, but that's the thing is like, that's not healthy really either. All that, all that crap, you know, sugar-free, I don't think is healthy, but this is, I'm, tr- I'm going to try and it's so much easier said than done. Cause that is like cutting out everything good in life. But if we want to, ch- if we want a baby naturally, I think that that's maybe a good solution. And then if that doesn't help, well, then I we'll made do a IVF. mean shepherd's pie with lentil. Yeah, he did. We went out shopping for plant-based stuff. Yeah. And uh, I made my first vegan shepherd's pie. And it was actually delicious. It really was. Yeah. For someone that doesn't, I mean, it it didn't need the meat for yeah. it to taste good. Yeah. Which and it had lots about. of protein from the lentil. And yeah, so I'm going to try this. I haven't, we have family in town right now. Doug's um, dad and sister are with us with our niece. And so... It's kind of like I'm trying a little bit, but I'm gonna. We're gonna try to get them to sit down to, to talk. Yeah. So I if you have any questions for Big think Doug, it's super relevant. Yeah. Especially now. If you have any questions for Big Doug or for my sister-in-law Lindsay, and she's the one who found him and saved his life, and she wasn't even. I talked to her in the and car my ride, bro- <clears throat> and my brother's life. Yeah, but I talked to her in the car ride the other day, and she said, "Oh, I wasn't even supposed to be home that night because she was supposed to be in for surgery or something," and so it was like a miracle that she was even there to hear you gurgling in your sleep to then try to wake you up. Couldn't wake you up. She touched your feet. She said you were white as white as ice and that you were cold as ice. Mm. And then she thought it was like the air conditioner because the air conditioner was blaring, but turns out like she never told me that I, uh, again, I just never asked. Yeah. And so then she like went into your parents' room. She like screamed at them to get up that you weren't waking up and that you were like, coughing in your sleep turn you were choking on your vomit is what was going on with that all that gurgling you were choking on your own vomit and um so that's when your parents went in there and like were like hitting you trying to get you and they called 911 and yeah and she wasn't even supposed to be home I don't remember any of it that's wild how you can black that all out that's wild I bet you'll start to remember some of it now that you've talked about it. Well, I, I remember waking up sitting on the floor in my boxers. Yeah, so like before... When I came to, Well, that would make sense you didn't remember any of that because you were, like, practically out. dead. Yeah. yeah. She said you were choking on your own vomit. Yeah. It's awful. But yeah. I'm thankful that you're here and that, you know, I'm sure that... I mean, we're going to have to tell our kids these stories because if you think about it, my mom was an addict. My dad oh, yeah. was an addict. You obviously had this issue. Well, people on my uh, mom's side, Peop- and then there was addiction on my mom's side, on my dad's side. Yeah, your sister was telling me about family members who are addicts. Not necessarily it, opioid, but... But it does, it, it does run in the family. And so I am going to have to have a chat, and I don't know when or how, but we're going to have to sit down with our kids and say, listen. Yeah, we carry this gene. Yeah, and... They have to be super aware yeah. and super careful, and... 
Uh, I got to go get the kids from vacation Bible school now. So we won't be having that chat today. That's for sure. They're way too young. Not at five and three. No, definitely not having that conversation now. But like, that's just something that we definitely have to have a conversation with them. Because actually, you know, because my mom actually, oddly enough, she told me when I was a kid and probably because she was an addict and I had no idea, but she told me, don't ever let anything control you. Do not get addicted, not even to coffee, like caffeine. She was like, it'll control your life. And like, she would just constantly say that. And not for nothing, my mom obviously has had her fair share of mistakes. We all have, but she really like embedded in me, like, don't trust a man. They use you for one thing. They, they'll love you and leave you. You're just a <laughs> notch on their belt loop or whatever. And, you know, like, it, and so that kept me from being promiscuous because I was like, oh, they don't, they're never going to love me. They're going to love me and leave me. And do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. And so then, yeah, exactly. Mom, like, yeah, you have men coming in all the time, but, but then she'd say, oh yeah. And if you try cocaine, even just once you could die, that put the fear of God in me. I'm like, I'm never going to try cocaine ever. Like, I don't want to die. But like, I think that her having like telling me that, and it's never like she sat me down and had, I mean, it's not like we never even had family dinners. We never did any of that, but she would just randomly say it. And I would be like, Ooh, okay. I better not do that. We're going to have to sit down with our kids and say, listen. It's important. Yeah. It is is important. So needless to say, those kids I got to go get from vacation Bible school. But truly, 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 thank you so much for being here with us. You are our people. We love you. We want to support you. And thank thank you for for really just reaching out, sharing your stories, uh, your encouragement, your, I mean, everything. And it's just been, you've made this an easier process for someone that has a hard time sharing any of this, any emotional stuff in my life, in my life or anything that, that I feel ashamed of and guilty of. It's really, really difficult. And it's a fault of mine. It's so difficult for me to share. Um, so that, that was really, really encouraging. And, and it gave me a, a sense of community, which is, which was amazing. Yeah. You, well, you do. You're not a lone soldier. Yeah. All right. Well, we love you you guys and I love you, Douglas Hainer. I love you. (laughs) And uh, we'll see you guys next week. We'll probably have our in-laws on next week as guests. That'd be real fun. So if you have any questions for them, shoot them, shoot them over, DM us on the Hot Marriage Cool Parents page because my page is, gets a little overloaded. You could, you could message it there, but I'm also doing a teacher's wish list right now. I'll put it up on my Instagram page too. Yeah. I guess I could pop it up on, I could pop it up on my Instagram page at the question box. I'll probably do that, but I'm also doing teacher wish list. So if you're a teacher and you want your wish list um, shared, I'm sharing them up until Henley goes to school. So shoot that on over to my page as well. And have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. We love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.